0: Shalom Aleichem, Shavuot Tov, to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, a fortress of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Halakha, religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC, We're going to be talking about the last parashah we read, Parashat Pekude. Ele Pekude, HaMishkan, Mishkan HaEdut. The word Mishkan is used twice. Rashi tells us why. Because they were, it's giving us a remes, a hint, to the two Dash that were going to come in the future. And of unfortunately, uh, they were destroyed. Now, we know that throughout our religion, throughout our history, we had three major centers of worship. One was the Mishkan that was built by Moshe Rabbeinu in the Bnei Israel in the desert. The other one, as Rashi mentions, is Tzurim coming later, that was the uh, the first Beit Hamikdash built by Shlomo Amelech. and finally the second Beit Hamikdash, which was started by Ezra and Nehemiah. And later on was renovated and aggrandized, made a lot larger by uh, what they call the, the King Herod, Hurdus. Now, when you look at the kind of money spent for all these temples, it, it's almost unbelievable. Let's look at for example, the Mishkan. And the Mishkan I'm going to mention only one item, and that is the gold. In Panasha Pikkudeh, it tells us that the amount of gold that was used was almost 30 kikar. 29 kikar and change were 30, almost 30 kikar. Now, 30 kikar is approximately 3,000 pounds of gold. If you take 3,000 pounds of gold by today today's standard, We're talking about over $50 million. That's only one item, $50 million. What about the silver, the copper, the materials, the textile involved, uh, uh, the labor that was involved, the skills that people had to put in? We're talking about $100 million. Easy. But then the first Betta Mikdash that was built by Shlomo Amelieh was even more expensive than the Mishkan. Even more. And if you look at the second Beit HaMikdash that was built by Hurdus, it was even more expensive than the one that Shlomo Amalek built. The Beit HaMikdash of Hurdus, uh, that that was uh, like a a, a sumptuous edifice where people were coming, Jews and non-Jews from far, just to come and take a look at this beautiful building. So in terms of money, we see that the later you go, the more money was spent. That's money-wise. When we talk about kedusha wise holiness, purity, it's the other way around. The earlier, the more holy it was. Namishkan was much holier than the Beit HaMikdash, the Shekhinah in the Mishkan was much more intense, more concentrated. In fact, the Shekhinah, Kadosh Baruch Hu, who came down to, uh, uh, to the uh, Holy of Holies, Kodesh HaKodashim, in between the, the two Keruvim, and he was spoke to, to Moshe Rabbeinu from there. I said, great. Now, we see from here that that uh, the Shechinah V'Kadosh Baruch was much greater when it came to the Mishkan. Secondly, what happened to the Mikdash and what happened to the Mishkan? We know the first Bet Mikdash was destroyed. We know the second Bet Mikdash, Rahmat, was also destroyed. What about, the, what about the Mishkan? What happened to the Mishkan? Well, the Mishkan is not it, it, it does not follow that same history. The Mishkan, at the end of the 40 years in the desert, the Mishkan was transferred to a city called Gilgal, and it was there for 14 years, seven years that Yeshua and Abnael fought the 31 kings and conquered the land of Israel. Another seven years, they had to divide the land and settle in it. All those 14 years, it was there. Then it was transferred to Shiloh. And for 369 years, it was in Shiloh. Now, when it was in Shiloh, we know from Masihid Zevahim it tells us that over there, uh, they rebuilt the Mishkan in stone. The walls were in stone. But The roof, they took the area out that was the cover that was on top of the Mishkan and they put those on top of the newly built uh, stone Mishkan. It was there for a very long time. And the Kelim, the vessels that were in the original Mishkan were of course transferred to the one in Shiloh Later on, transferred to a mishkan in Nov and Gibbon. And after that, the vessels themselves were transferred into the Beit Amikdash of Shlomo HaMelech. What happened? So that's the kelim. What happened to the structure itself? What happened to the walls, the beams, the sockets, the hooks, the bars? What happened to those? Those... They were never destroyed; they were hidden. They were put away, and to this day, we don't know where they are. But destroyed, no, they were not. So the Mishkan of Moshe Rabbeinu was never destroyed. The Beit Hamikdash, first and second, were destroyed. What's the reason? Why? What's the difference between the Mishkan? And the Bet Now, the Bet Hamidrash itself also had quite a bit of miracles that were happening in there. In fact, in in the uh, the Mishnah, Pirkei it said, Asara nisim There were ten miracles every day that that were happening in the Bet Mi'kdash. and it lists all ten of them, besides others that are listed in the Gemara. For example, the lehem apanim, the show bread. Uh, they baked it fresh on a Friday, and 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 the next Friday, when they would change it, put the new one, new uh, bread in. The one that lasted for a week was as fresh as the one that they just put in. And they distributed and ate it. The coin ate it. That is that that that's another miracle. What about the Nerma Aravim? The Cohen would put in enough oil for one night, except for the Nerma Arabi, even though it put in enough for one night, it lasted for the whole day. So all the miracles. So there was obviously quite a bit of Kedusha, but there is a big difference. The Mishkan was built by a gadolador door. Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest of our Nevi'im. But at the same time, they were, it was built by the Bnei Israel themselves. Only the Bnei Israel. And how was it built? Vechol asher olibo. it says. Everyone that had an uplifted heart, his heart was uplifted to come and help with contributions or doing the actual work. What, is it, what does that mean, uplifted heart? It means that the people had lovingly come and do the work for the, for the Mishkan. It's not something that they felt, oh, this is a a, pl- a task that I have to do. Oh, what a burden. No. They loved it. They were eager to do it. They were very much interested. They were enthusiastic about it. And they were the Bnei Israel themselves. Now we're talking about people who six months before that were slaves in Egypt. It's Yitzhiat Mitzrayim was about six months before the starting of the construction of the Mishkan. They were slaves. They were not craftsmen. They were not goldsmiths or civil smiths or experts in materials. What happened? Nisa Olibo. Everyone says, look, look, listen. I Maybe I can do it. I'm going to do it. I want. I'm going to try. He tries and he does it. Kola Olibo. You know, I, I read once a uh, a little incident during the Holocaust. One time in in the ladies' barracks, uh, a Gestapo man comes in and he says, is that a seamstress over here? So a young lady said, yes, I'm a seamstress. Said, okay, okay, fine, no problem. This young lady was not a seamstress. She figured she'll say she's at least she'll be doing something, and uh, that way she'll be saved. And lo and behold, she was saved. That saved her life. She learned on the job. These people, even though they did not really um, know exactly how to do this work, I mean, they were doing bricks in order to to build the Pitomoram, says for Paro. They didn't have the skills of a goldsmith or a silversmith, but they volunteered for it happily, and they did it. This is the Mishkan. That's why the Mishkan endured and lasted. On the other hand, the Beta HaMikdash of Shomo, even though there were many Jews that were, uh, uh, working at but he had goim also. Now, is it is it wrong? Is it asur? Is it prohibited to have Goyim working? It's not prohibited. But still, it's not the same. It's not the same. You have Kedusha, and then you have other people. And of course, the Betta Migdash of Hurdus, obviously, he didn't care about anything. They, this one, <laughs> Uzair just took anybody that had any skills Anyone that he knew was real, real craftsman, knew how to do things, he took them in, paid them, and that was the end of it. So when we have something that is done by people who are volunteering, who are dedicated, who really want to see something uh, done all the way to completion, the Shem Shamayim. That helps a lot. And that's the difference between the Mishkan and the Beta Mikdash. You know, in, 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 in 1943, nine, in, in Lakewood, a yeshiva was started in Lakewood. It was started by none other than the great sage, great Talmud Hakam, Rabarun Katla, alav Shalom. I remember I remember him a little bit. What a man. What a sage. What a tamid Hakam. What a fiery person. Adam Kadosh. Adam Tzaddik. And when he wanted to open a yeshiva, people were telling him, you know, Brooklyn is the place of Torah, you know, a lot of Jews here. We're going to, to Lakewood, <laughs> a place, a desert in spirituality. Where are you going over there? Says no, this is where I want it to be, far away from the city. He was successful. He started with ten people, barely a minyan, so that he can have a tefillah. How many, how many Abrahim does he have today? Guess, over six thousand abraham in Lake Yeshiva. He started, a great person. For the sake of building a shiva, for people to really sit and learn, of course it was successful. You know, there is there is a uh, a short anecdote in Masiched Vavay Something unbelievable. Rabbi Noach Kadosh, you know, Rabbi Noach Kadosh, Nasi, the one that wrote the Mishnah. And in Baba Metzia, Daf Pehe, page eighty-five, it says that Rabinua Kadosh said about Rabbiya that one Gedulim, Kama Gedulim maaser Ase How great are the deeds of Rabihiya! So the Gemara says, okay. So what was what was the great deed of Rabbi Hiya? What did he do that was so great? And it it it, it tells us what happened. Rabbi Khiya wanted to teach Torah. So what did he do? Now he can go and uh, you know buy a piece of parchment or something and. Hires software, whatever. Okay, right there, and he'll teach it from there. Right? Remember, in those days, he didn't have a machine like we do today. There's no, there was no printing press. Talking about 1800 years ago. that's well, that what he did? He went ahead, and he got seeds, cotton seeds, and he went to a field, and he planted the seeds into the field. And soon enough, the cotton grew. So now he has plenty of cotton. He takes the cotton and he makes nets out of it. Nets like Richard taught. Why? Nets in order to trap deers. Now, a deer is a kosher animal. So he went to trap the deers. And once he had those deer strapped, well, he of course, he would he would slaughter them. Uh, the flesh uh, will be eaten. And the skins, he took that and made parchment out of it himself. And then he took the parchment and he wrote on it the Chumash, the Torah. He wrote it himself. Now, he didn't have to do this. He could have just bought it. No, he wanted to do everything, mikducha, utahara, and this helped. He says, "Shilot istakah torah miIsrael." That helped that the Torah was not, hazvashalom, forgotten from the bnei Israel. ma'asim, asim, gedolim aser b'hiyah. We that everything was done by dusha of tahara now we have some a similar situation if you recall hanukkah on hanukkah when the Hashmonaim finally uh, they they, they, they uh, managed to chase out the uh, greeks from jerusalem they went into the betar and they found, unfortunately, everything was tame. It was oil, but the oil was tame. But they were looking for oil that was pure oil. So pure oil with a stamp of, of the Kohen Gadol. And that you're going to have to wait another seven days. And Akadosh Baruch made a miracle so that a small vial that was enough for one night Lasted for eight. The question that the Mepharshim ask. Why do they have to wait? Why do they have to have the pure oil? Well, it's a known fact that. Tum ahutra barabim. If the majority of the Bnei Israel are. Unclean meaning tame. Spiritual unclean. Then they can do the avodah, whatever has to be done in the Beit HaMikdash, even in that state of impurity, they still can do it. So he could have done it. Apparently, even Hashem agreed with them because they made a miracle. Why did they insist? The Hashemunayim, the word Sadiqim. They insisted on having something pure for the same reason. For the same thing like Rabbi Hiya, he wanted everything to be done in purity and in holiness. Finally, Akadosh Baruch who has helped him and they were able to reconquer Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash, They were not going to be satisfied with impure oil. Is it allowed? Yeah. Is it allowed for Shlomo Amalek to bring goim to build the Beit Dash? Yeah but it's not the same. They wanted to start with purity with Kedusha. A college should be only Yelishim for that purpose. I think we can learn a great lesson from all this. All of us, when we we go to She'ore Torah, we do the Mizvot, you know, some people say, ah, Doing a favor. Favor to whom? Hashem needs your favor. You will have to do in a way of purity and kedusha, meaning with a, a wholeheartedly with love, with interest. You want to do it. Like Hashem is of Uplifted heart. You want to go and do it no matter what. You know, I was once at a Hatuna, at a wedding. And immediately after the hupan, we were at a table sitting already. And there were two people there. And right in the middle of the seoudah, they said, well, they're leaving. But, uh, you know, please make sure these two chairs here, you know, Tell them it's a bit, you know, steak and don't let anyone sit there. But I said, where are you going? He says, we have a uh, dafumi. The dafumi is like a block away from here. We're not going to uh, uh, miss the dafumi. You're in Hatunup Well, dafumi comes first. They were dedicated to the dafumi. I was impressed. The fact that they were a hatuna wearing a wedding and people dancing and music and blasting, that did not stop them from stopping. Go to the uh, to, to the and then come back and finish the hatuna. When something is easy to get, there's no challenge. We have to understand if we really are dedicated, whether it's snowing or raining or what have you. If you have a shiur kabua early in the morning or a tefillah which is in Bitsibur, don't sacrifice that because of the rain or the snow. That's This is a challenge that Shem is giving you. You have to win that challenge. You have to go help us all, give us the willpower to overcome all these challenges and do the mitzvot properly. Please do not forget this beautiful station. Try to help as much as you can, especially now Purim is coming up. Purim is the type where people are generous. Be generous. And if you are looking for a simha, for a place for a simha, please, Call us at the uh, SLC and come and take a look at our beautifully renovated social home. And uh, we will definitely try to accommodate you. Thank you. Shalom alechem. Shabbat